Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and let's continually talk about topics that split churches. Now, I want you to understand something while I'm going here. I do speak very forwardly on here, but it's not my goal to be a jerk, okay? Some people take my bluntness, and I think they take it as arrogance or someone who's just being a jerk about it. Uh, no, that's not the point. I just tend to speak forwardly as an individual. It's actually something I'm constantly trying to buffer, and if we ever get that, re uh, there's an interview with us with God is Gray uh, about our video, you'll notice I'm constantly trying to stay dialed back so that way I'm not too punchy. Uh, and that's just something I try to do because I do know I tend to have a very blunt personality. So don't take me as like, wow, this guy's a real arrogant jerk. You might have a point, maybe I am, but my, but that is not my heart or my goal. I don't mean for it to be that way. So anyway, today I'm going to talk about a topic that is very controversial, uh, which is that there is in fact an error in the King James Version. What? There is? Yes, there's actually quite a few. Uh, this one is not found by me though. I have found and researched into others, and I'm not saying I've, I was the one who found it. Others have, of course, probably pointed these out that I'm going to point out, but uh, I did find these myself when I was going through some of these. One of them was in the book of Daniel, but today is not one that I found. Today is one that was pointed out by Dr. James White and was one of the ones that punched me in the face when I was coming out of my King James Onlyism. In fact, I've been out of King James, I was out of King James Onlyism before that, just because of translational things, but then as I really researched it, I was like, oof. So anyway, I want to give him proper credit where credit is due. He is kind of, you know, a great scholar. I totally recommend checking him out. I'm not a Calvinist by any means, but I mean, there are some really good scholarly works that he has done. So uh, this is something that was pointed out by him, but I wanted to kind of take some time to park on it because... I was a King James only advocate, and I want to take the time to show how this actually is contradictory to the King James only -ists. So, one of the biggest things as a modern translation person, I don't know if I have a word for myself, they, maybe a heretic is what you might call me, but one of the biggest things that King James only advocates say is that modern translations have errors and the King James doesn't. This is actually, in fact, not true. Now, every translation tends to have a translational issue. Uh, translations are actually quite difficult to do. So, again, if you're watching this, try to have an open mind and understand, and try to be consistent while I'm, when I, while I'm going through these things. Try to remain consistent and actually ask yourself, am I wrong? Uh, those are very powerful words that are useful for us. Am I wrong? And then you can, you can test it, and if it's the truth, it will stay strong. And if it's not the truth, then we should change our positions. It should, that's how we be, keep Christianity on strong ground, is so I'd be willing to change positions when truth is shown. So, again, the church is the pillar of truth, so we should not be offended by it. So, anyway. So, this is not true, though, that the King James is perfect and everything else has errors. The other thing that they try to say is that the modern translations remove the name of God or remove the blood of Christ from different, position, from different uh, passages. And that is a conspiracy, essentially, to remove the deity of God or the power of the atonement through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is simply not true true. In fact, while we go through some of these things, I am going to be showing you why that's not true. In fact, I would argue that the King James adds things as opposed to removing, that modern translation, removing them. See, this is called harmonization. What happens is that during texts, when people are going through tradition, traditional texts or familiar passages, they harmonize it. Like, kind of like if you, let's say, 
we're copying down a song, a very familiar song that you know, and there's a chorus in it. But sometimes, you know, uh, maybe in the last chorus, they change the wording a little bit for a little em extra emphasis on its meaning. So let's say you are copying this hand down, by hand and you're going word for word, and then it gets to, you get to that last chorus and you go, oh yeah, I already know the chorus. I've written this down before. And you write it down, but you didn't get that shift. And you instead ended up harmonizing the entire song as opposed to keeping the variant that is actually supposed to be there. This happens all the time with translations. People tend to harmonize things. And that is natural human thing. You know, we memorize things and we tend to respond in that sense. So anyway, this is what, so this simply is not true. So what's funny though is that if we're truly attacking the deity of God, in our modern translations, we're not doing a good job at it, <laughs> okay? We're not, because in these modern perversions, the name of God is found plenty of times. So again, if it's a conspiracy, it's a really bad one because we are still talking about, in fact, in Titus 2.13, uh, one of the best th defenses of the tri triune God in all versions, it says, you know, that our Lord, and our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in all versions. So again, if we're trying to attack the deity of Christ, we're doing a pretty bad job at it, okay? So anyway, a verse that King James only advocates oftentimes use to say that we're removing the name of God, and I'm just gonna use one example here before I get to the actual error in Revelation 16.5. So in Acts 3.13, in the ESV, it says this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers, you know, maybe King James only advocates are right. We are trying to get rid of the name of God. Seriously? Anyway, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, okay, not attacking the deity of God in any way, shape, or form, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. And they fight over the word servant here. Yes, this has been brought up. How dare you call Jesus the servant of God, even though he was? And even though the King James even refers to him as such, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Acts 3.13 in the King James Version says this, And the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And they go, see, son, of, son Jesus versus servant Jesus. They have... Jesus is referred to both interchangeably throughout Scripture. So this is not an attack on whom Jesus was. In fact, in the ESV, in many, time, many places, it refers to Jesus as the Son of God and the Son of Man, as it does in the King James. So again, this is not a consistent line. And also, we are ignoring that the Greek word here is the Greek word pais. Pais means child, so son, Jesus, is accurate, as an infant, right? Or it can also mean, guess what? Servant, also known as a king's attendant. And Jesus is referred to as both in scripture, and that is the Greek word pice, which can refer to either one in scripture. So this is not a translational inaccuracy. This is just basically what you would almost call a synonym. It's, you know, based, it's using a, the same exact word to mean something slightly different, but kind of the same. It means subservience. You know, that's the whole thing. A son is subservient to its father. So son, uh, son, his son, Jesus, is subservient to the father, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You know, subservience, also the servant Jesus. Just saying. 
So anyway, as if, and that's the thing, it's as if this word can't mean both, right? And that's the problem with the King James only advocate, is that they're not considering translation. They're just saying, my book is the standard and yours has to be wrong. And it, not considering maybe that the source has a different you know, translational thing there. And that's all this was. And in fact, even the King James acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the servant of God. Guess what? In Mark 10, 45, it says that he ministers. What does minister mean? Serve. And he serves. He's a servant. In fact, that's what makes Jesus powerful, is that he was a servant leader. That's what makes him a great example. So anyhow, there's this issue when it comes to translational things. So that we can see is a, synon a, syn a synonym issue, right? And it, it is something that with the word can mean both, right? So we see that happening in the King James. But then we see a harmonization issue that I talked about earlier. In Revelation 16.5, it says this in the King James. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be Notice the Greek word. Because thou hast judged thus. This Greek word here is a Greek word, hosios. And it, the whole phrase would be ho hosios or ha hosios. I'm not a big Greek like pronunciator. I've screwed up all the time. So anyway, but hosios. This word here where it says, and shalt be, shalt be, that's hosios, which means undefiled by sin, free from wickedness, Pure or holy. And shalt be is nothing along those lines of undefiled by sin, pure, holy, is it? No, that is a straight up error. Okay? Notice it has nothing to do with that phrase, and shalt be. Modern translations fix this in the ESV. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and was, for you brought these judgments. O holy one. That's the actual Greek being spoken here. In fact, check out this image of the Texas Receptus for yourself. I have circled the word right there, hosios. That is in the Texas Receptus. And that right there, this is a, this right here shows that harmonization takes place. So the question, of course, you go, why did this happen? And my simple answer is harmonization. Let me explain. And James White writes about this actually in his book, that John Kelvin's successor, Theodore Beza, felt that the original read and shalt be. So he just, while they're translating, he goes, mm. the original probably said, and shalt be. And there was a, that, and he thought there's enough relation to basically the phraseology there to harmonize it to just say, and shalt be, as opposed to, oh, holy one. The issue is every single text across all text types, Texas Receptus, Byzantine, Alexandrian, all text types say, hohosios. Not anything that says, and shalt be. So why was it harmonized? What do you mean by harmonized? Well, the thing is, is that this phraseology is used many times in the book of Revelation. So when you're translating the book of Revelation, you're going to tr translate this type of phrase often. Revelation 1.8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, is to come and shalt be. 
So they they had that. Uh, Revelation 4.8 says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night. They never cease to say, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Or, in other words, and shalt be. So you can see where this would make someone as, oh, I, I've, I've written this down a couple times already, and shalt be. And really, it's O Holy One in this phrase. So you can see that someone would presume that 16.5 really meant that. I, I totally see how this could happen translationally. So does this mean that the King James Version translators were trying to erase the holiness of God, an attribute of God? This is the exact same accusation that King James only advocates pit against modern translators. You know, oh, you're trying to erase the blood of Christ. You're trying to erase the deity of Christ. You're trying to erase God's name. That's what they say. But meanwhile, their own translation removes the attribute of holiness from God in this verse. Does that mean that suddenly we throw out the entire translation? No, that's silly and it's absurd. That is the whole point of translational work is to constantly try to refine it. And that's why to this day, the New American Standard Bible is considered the most accurate in many ways, but it's kind of clunkiest in them also because they're trying to be as literally accurate as possible. Um, anyway, so, you know, if they were, if this was reversed, if this issue happened in my ESV, they would say that I removed an attribute of God, that we removed the name of God, that we removed his holiness, and that his holiness is no big deal to modern Christian, Christian evangelicals, and that it's a whole conspiracy afoot. But honestly, that's not what it is. And it's not in my version. It's in yours. Okay? Actually, that is in my version, too, because I use King James versions as well. So uh, I'm just trying to sit there and be accurate here. But this here is proof that the King James version is not... A perfect translation. So that there is straight false. Verifiable. You can fact check this. Go ahead. It's false. The King James Version is not a perfect translation. But the King James only advocates, advocate, the King James Version only as advocates that it is perfect, but they're not applying a consistent measurement across the board. So they measure other translations differently than they measure their own translation. And they just consistently go, well, mine's a standard. And this is when you get into the what we call double inspirational, dual inspirationalists, which they believe, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that the, the Texas Receptus disagrees. That's okay, because God re-preserved his word and re-inspired his, his word in the King James Bible. That is straight up insertion, insinuation, and you're just infusing that into this belief. There is no way to back that up besides a blind doctrine. So maybe, here's the thing, maybe you're a King James only advocate, or maybe you have been, or maybe you're asking questions and that's why you're here, or maybe you're just curious at what this crazy will guy has to say and you just can't wait to type something angry in the comments. Maybe though, you have actually truly been deceived. Some people know these things and they choose to teach it otherwise teach otherwise against you know having a consistent historical christianity some people are deceiving on purpose and some people are simply deceived due to ignorance but the king james only advocates are not consistent here so maybe you've been deceived and maybe you should study this further under understand that it's not what you've been taught that that is not true what you've been taught Maybe you just need a new understanding. So, 
And as I said, James White points this out. I have other passages I plan to go through here to get that I've studied myself that I found the errors in. But this was one of those ones that's like, man, that is too good to pass up. I've got to point this out. So remember, guys, God did preserve his word, though. He preserved his word in manuscripts, not in English translations. He, no translation is perfect. But many are very close, and it's best to try to just cross-compare at all times. It might give you a better understanding, because English is not as, uh, let's see, not as precise of a language as maybe Greek is, and English is not nearly as beautiful and in-depth of a language as Hebrew is. So it's cool to cross-compare, and you can really kind of flesh some of those things out. Again, as I said, I love the King James. It's literally mind-numbing how good it is with such few sources that they had. But, they, but we cripple ourselves when we have thousands more that we can compare to, and that this was translated over 400 years ago when we have found thousands more. So anyway, don't be ignorant. Use all sources available and all of them at your disposal to understand truly, fully the Word of God and understand the fact that, tra uh, that traditions of man only hurt the faith. Some translations, I mean, some traditions are fine. Some traditions are fine. They don't really hurt. But if you just follow traditions over anything else, you are truly hurting the faith. And it's going to be really hard for us to defend ourselves. And it's going to make us look even more foolish to an already unbelieving world. So have a consistent view. That's my point. There is an error in the, in the King James. There's more errors in the King James. And we're going to talk about those on this channel. But I wanted to make this one very clear because if the roles were reversed, you bet that the King James Only Advocate would be using this in one of those memes where they do the cross compare and say at the very bottom of the meme, and you say this is not a big deal? Guys, I understand. I was a King James Only Advocate. I did the same ignorant things. But once I started educating myself and really studying the language, I realized that I was foolish. And it's okay to admit that. It's as long as we don't stay foolish and blind in our ignorance. So anyway, hope this was helpful for you. Uh, please like and sub to the channel, guys. We're growing and we're going cool places right now. So please be a part of that journey. Go ahead if you want. Be one of our, be our first uh, Patreon, maybe in the bottom. And if not, that's fine. If you're just here for education, that's great. We're going to keep pumping these out. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to educate. And that's something I love to do. So anyway, thank you guys for being here. This has been the church split. Take care. God bless.